Hello and welcome to the Citizen Abroad, a Manchester City football podcast. I'm your host, Tim Crean, coming to you from just outside New York City, 3,299 miles from the Etihad Stadium. On today's episode, I am back after a long, long break to continue the Citizen Abroad podcast. Um, I will talk more about that in a second. But on today's episode, we are going to get into... uh, Briefly touch on the Foden situation, the start of the 2021 Premier League season, about uh, Lionel Messi, and I will give out my grades for the 2019-2020, the very strange 2019-2020 season. I just wanted to start today by saying thank you to everyone who uh, reached out about the podcast, who asked questions when it was coming back, who missed the podcast and uh, and told me that on Twitter at Citizen Podcast, C-I-T-Y-Z-E-N Podcast. Uh, I took a break and again, I'll explain that in a second, but uh, now the plan is to be back for the 2021 season and make it a weekly show. So thank you all for listening and uh, here we go. So before we get started talking uh, about Man City, which we will do a lot on this episode, and it's what the podcast is all about, I just wanted to uh, talk a little bit about what's going on with me and what, uh, <laughs> what's been going on uh, in my world here of the Citizen Abroad in uh, just outside New York City, 3,299 miles from the Etihad Stadium. So I've done uh, over 160 episodes of this podcast over the course of three, four years now or so. And it's been a wonderful experience. It's been a passion project. I, uh, you know, have spent more money. Spent. I have spent money on this project, not made any money. And it's just something I really enjoy doing. And um, that's always been the case. And then about a year ago, a year and a half ago, um, I left one job, started a new job, started my own kind of freelancing business. And uh, you know, personally, that took a lot of time and effort to get off the ground. So the podcast uh, became fewer and further between. Now, as uh, that started to ease out a little bit, get um, get a little easier, take a little less time, open up a little more free time to do stuff that I love, like podcasting. Um, all of a sudden, craziness hit the uh, the pandemic, the COVID nineteen uh, craziness that happened in the beginning of this year, and of course, uh, living outside of New York. Um, this was, you know, the epicenter of the craziness in America uh, when that hit. And, you know, I, I've mentioned it before um, once or twice, but uh, it's not, you know, I don't talk a ton about my personal life on here. We focus mostly on Manchester City, but uh, I have two young children. Uh, my wife is an essential healthcare worker. And so once the pandemic hit, uh, schools closed, she had to go to work. Uh, you know, it was just a lot uh, on our family work and childcare and everything wise. So, you know, unfortunately I was not able to do the podcast. Um, as things again started to get a little easier, we came out of, we started to come out of lockdown and things like that. Sports came back, the Premier League came back, uh, you know, still trying to wait it out and figure out kind of, uh, you know, what life would look like post pandemic. Uh, time-wise, I was able to watch the games, to, uh, you know, tweet more about them and do all that. So, you know, I was still very much involved in what was going on with Manchester City. Uh, unfortunately, again, I couldn't take the uh, the few hours a week that it does take to 
create this podcast. So now, uh, you know, we are very lucky here in New York. We've uh, went from being the epicenter to being uh, much better off than uh, than a lot of the country and a lot of the world currently. Um, you know, schools are finally kind of back opening, so that kind of eases the uh, childcare burden on working parents, which I'm sure a lot of you can relate to out there. And so it looks as though uh, I'm going to start having more free time again and, and be able to dedicate more of this to the podcast. So first of all, thank you to everyone who hung with me, who interacted on Twitter, who asked how I was doing, how the podcast was doing, when the podcast was coming back and all that. Uh, that actually, you know, that went um, a huge way towards uh, me, you know, wanting to dedicate myself again, to doing this podcast, to know that there's so many people out there who are interested in the podcast, who want to listen to it, who want more Manchester City content from uh, from myself here. That was awesome. So thank you for that. And, you know, frankly, again, I, I just love doing this and it's something that um, I missed. And, and, you know, that with City coming back with such a crazy short break between, you know, the end of Champions League for City, which we'll talk about uh, briefly as we, as we go through the grades here. And... Uh, and when the Premier League starts on the 21st here against uh, the Wolves, it really is pretty uh, amazing the turnaround, and it, it led to you know that kind of non that not the long offseason lull like there is sometimes in the past. So that's been great too, and uh, that's where we are right now. And I'm fired up, ready to go. Uh, hopefully, I will be able to uh, to do the podcast every week to hear from more of you to bring on some more great guests to talk city. And, uh, and and we'll get this, uh, this thing back up and running. So one more time, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, as I mentioned in the intro, right now we're going to go ahead and talk about Foden, Messi, uh, the way the season ends, the next season starting, and uh, we'll talk about a lot of this around the player grade, something I do annually at the end of each season, and uh, I, will, I will give out the player grades uh, now. So uh, here we go again. Okay, so the two kind of big stories of the offseason so far, the offseason being these couple weeks where the Premier League is not playing, but they, uh, there is international football going on, are really for City. I mean, it's not Fernand Torres and Nathan Ake, which I think are interesting. It's not necessarily... Uh, the idea of Koulibaly coming, although that is a fairly big story, and I think that will grow in the coming days. I think there's a real chance, even though uh, City negotiating with Napoli is never a fun or easy process. But uh, I think that Koulibaly is probably on his way here eventually to City. But the two big stories, uh, and you know, really the third that ties into this, one is the Lionel Messi saga, which we'll get to last. Uh, two is the fact that Riyad Mahrez and Amrik Laporte tested positive for COVID. Uh, there's not a ton to say about that other than I really wish those guys well. I, I hope they uh, get back to health quickly and, uh, and are all okay. Obviously, it's a very scary disease, and uh, you don't want anyone that, uh, that you know, that you root for, that you uh, admire to, uh, to have it. And so uh, hopefully both of those guys get well soon. And then the kind of funny, interesting story that has blown up in the last couple days is that, of course, of one of my favorite city players, the young Phil Foden. So we'll get into that first. So for those of you who don't know, and and I guess you'd have to be living under a rock a little bit, uh, but maybe you don't watch the uh, English media much, 
and and so you don't uh, totally see it. But uh, when the England national team was in Iceland in the uh, to play uh, against Iceland in an international uh, fixture here, uh, Phil Foden, twenty years old, and his uh, his Manchester United counterpart Mason Greenwood. Uh, they did something that they weren't supposed to do, but something that uh, is not entirely shocking for a 20-year-old and a 19-year-old to do. They broke COVID bubble quarantine protocols and invited uh, two Icelandic models to their hotel room, uh, or I guess one Icelandic model and her cousin who is a law student, uh, according to uh, the Daily Mail here. But... Uh, look, they got kicked off the team, basically. They got sent home. They, uh, you know, uh, quarantined from the team. Uh, it was a team that uh, had a really kind of a really interesting and kind of stunning uh, late victory over Iceland that involved uh, a ton about Manchester City. Phil Foden got his first international cap. Kyle Walker got sent off on a stupid second yellow. Uh, Raheem Sterling drew the, uh, the final penalty late in the match. Well, not the final penalty drew a penalty late in the match, uh, converted the spot kick, and gave England the lead only for, uh, for I think it was Joe Gomez, to uh, follow an Icelandic player just a minute or two later. And uh, Iceland would miss the kick, giving, giving England the win. So an exciting match and something that should have been the major talking point, especially as far as City fans were concerned. But uh, shortly thereafter, the news broke about what Foden and Greenwood did. Um, from a city perspective, I'm not super worried. You know, this obviously has nothing to do, for the most part, with Manchester City. Uh, they are not going to quarantine uh, Foden like that, and so it's not a big deal. He's not suspended from the Premier League or anything. It does look like he's going to be banned for four matches uh, from the English national team, which is a bummer for him, and that's kind of where you see this story. Is It's a bummer for Phil Foden, and hopefully uh, it doesn't affect him uh, mentally negatively. He's apologized. But he's been absolutely thrashed in the English press. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't follow his personal life that closely. But I do know he has a very young son with a, uh, you know, childhood sweetheart girlfriend. Whether they're together or not together, I don't know. Um, but, you know, outside of breaking quarantine rules, it looks like uh, he might have some issues, uh, unfortunately, domestically. And I don't just mean uh, back in the Premier League. I mean uh, domestically at home with his girlfriend, partner, or whatever uh, that relationship is like. So for Foden, uh, you know, I saw there was kind of, you know, two reactions is like these kids are COVID idiots. Uh, you know, that kind of headline was all over the place. Like, how could these guys do this in a in a pandemic? How dumb could they be? And, and you know, listen, I get some of that. The other one, uh, the other reaction is, listen, boys will be boys, whatever. I mean, it wasn't even the worst thing to happen to a Premier League player this summer. As uh, as Harry Maguire was arrested in Mykonos for uh, for fighting and trying to bribe the police, so and you know it's been a tough off season uh, for England, which is not unusual. Um, you know, there's been some great pieces written about all the controversial things that have happened to uh, English national team members over the years, and it's pretty crazy. So as far as Foden goes, I mean, you know, it wasn't smart. You'd like to see him use better judgment than that. That said, I'm certainly not going to throw stones because all I know is. That, you know, I made plenty of terrible choices at 19, 20 years old and uh, and no one was there to kill me in the media over it. Thank God. 
and I was not rich and I was not famous. And so I didn't have those two additional aspects to deal with. And if I did, oh my goodness, I can only imagine, uh, you know, what, uh, what would kind of happen with that. So I, you know, I, I don't judge Foden too harshly. Hopefully he learns from this and moves on. Uh, you know, the only thing you want to watch is kind of, uh, seeing how he starts off. If he's able to kind of establish, uh, uh, him against the world mentality and really kind of use the, the pitch as his sanctuary to kind of get away from all this controversy. That would be awesome for city fans because I think that would chant that would channel into really nice performances uh, in, in the opening days of the Premier League season. Or if, if the distraction really bothers him and, uh, and it hurts his performances. So something to watch out for, but uh, yeah, crazy stuff from Phil Foden uh, over this break. Even crazier though. Might be the Lionel Messi saga. Once again, uh, maybe you missed the Phil Foden saga. You, there's no way uh, as a City fan that you could have possibly missed what was going on with Lionel Messi this offseason. So basically, just to catch anyone up who doesn't know for whatever reason, Messi had a clause in his contract that said uh, he could become, he could leave on a free transfer uh, as of June 10th, I believe which was a few days after the season, was scheduled to end. Uh, the, the Champions League ended very poorly as Barcelona got absolutely destroyed by Bayern Munich to get knocked out of the Champions League. And Messi decided it was time for him to leave Barcelona. He doesn't like the club president. He doesn't like the direction that the team is going. He doesn't like uh, Ronald Koeman, Pep's old roommate and, uh, and friend and new coach of Barcelona. So he is ready to leave. And of course, all the rumors said that he called Pep Guardiola straight away and said, hey, I want to list, I want to come to Manchester City, which makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons, including the fact that what was said is that in his contract was going to be that after, I think it was three years at Manchester City, the contract would also include a stint at NYCFC in the MLS, kind of a la Wayne Rooney, which is a lot of makes a ton of sense from a marketing perspective, from a business perspective, for Messi to, uh, to come to New York City when uh, his career is in its waning days and, uh, and play a few years over here as kind of a victory tour to, uh, to totally build his brand internationally. So that would be something that would be pretty amazing for both him and, um, and City and uh, the MLS and the United States soccer culture in general. But the problem was... Messi did not uh, give notice that he wanted to void his contract until a few days after the season ended, which was now in uh, August. And that was a problem. Uh, Barcelona is not letting him go. Uh, There was very tense days of meetings between Messi's uh, agent father and the club president. And it all kind of culminated in Messi saying he was going back to Barcelona unhappily, very unhappily for one more year. Now, most people think that this means that the Messi to City thing is done, at least until next year, and we may get uh, Messi at City a year later, a year older, a year less effective. However, I think it is still worth watching for the next couple weeks to see if Messi does come over. Yes, he said he wanted to stay at Barcelona, or he didn't want to, he's going to stay at Barcelona, but my theory on this is that there could possibly be a little bit of leverage. Those those crazy secretive meetings between Messi's father and the club president could have gone something like this. Club president said, "Listen, we don't want a protracted legal battle with one of uh, with, with the biggest star in our club history. 
possibly the best player of all time. We will let your our, your your son go for less than the seven hundred million uh, euro, I think it is, release clause. Uh, but you need to play ball with us and give us some leverage with City to make this happen. Because right now, City thinks that hey, listen, if we can get Messi on a free, great. We're not paying seven hundred million, and we really don't want to pay uh, much at all if if he if Messi is willing to come here on a free. And so, with Messi saying he'll stay, that gives uh, Barcelona a little bit of leverage to negotiate with City because I think what they are holding out for is I think they have a lot of interest in three City players. Uh, Eric Garcia, who is most likely leaving City anyways, it sounds like, to go back to Barcelona. Remember, um, I believe he is repped by Carlos Puyol, and it was a big deal when he left Barcelona for City, and now that he's, he, uh, he wants to go back, that'll help Carlos Puyol get back in the good graces at Barcelona. Um, they so they want Eric Garcia, and to get him a year earlier would be nice for them. Uh, they want... Gabby Jesus to possibly replace uh, Luis Suarez, who is now going to Juventus. And they have their eye on Bernardo Silva, too, who, of course, uh, had a down year. I'll talk about how down uh, in a few minutes when I go through the grades. But he had a down year, and uh, and he could be expendable here at City. So, and, you know, the way he plays, of course, is very uh, Barcelona-esque in style. So if they can get... Any combination of those players plus some money out of City for Lionel Messi, that would be a major win for Barcelona in a situation that looked like it was a no-win for them. And, you know, if Messi thought that, hey, he owed them at least that, saying he's going to go back, uh, then we will see. So I think there is still a possibility the deal will get done. It will get done uh, in secret now at this point, and it may just be announced. If it doesn't happen, that won't shock me either. I mean, I, I think... Messi is a man of his word, and uh, if he said he's going to commit to Barcelona for one more season, that could be true, but uh, I think there's a real possibility that this still gets done this offseason, um, so it's something to keep an eye on, and uh, you know, if it does, if it doesn't, good either way. I mean, uh, of course, I think it would be very interesting to see Messi at City. I think it would give uh, a Champions League winning mentality right now that, that City obviously doesn't really have. Uh, from any of their players, which would be a, a big boost to them. But uh, so more more so in the confidence than anything else, I think, you know, he'd be joining a, a pretty full midfield anyways with Kevin De Bruyne, even with Silva's departure. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne and Phil Foden really should be kind of the, uh, the starting the majority of games at this point. And yeah, I'd love to see Bernardo Silva play there more too. Of course, uh, my nemesis, uh, Ilkay Gundogan, is still here and all that stuff. So um, it can get a little crazy from that perspective, but uh, keep an eye. Mark my words, there's still a small chance Messi comes, uh, and if he doesn't, no problem. It'll still be great for City in the coming year. But enough about what's going on now and what's going on moving forward. We are going to go back and talk about the uh, the stilted, the strange, the unique, the interesting, the, you know, okay, but... Overall, pretty disappointing year for Manchester City and give out grades to the players and, of course, to the coach, Pep Guardiola. So grading City, this is an annual exercise I do every year where I give out grades in the traditional school grading system, at least the American school grading system, F through A, uh, to every City player who, uh, who played this year. 
Um, I think my list is uh, complete right now, but of course, uh, I, I have missed people in the past. And so uh, if I do, apologies, and I will uh, note that on the next episode next week. So F through A, uh, F is failing. That means you've had a, a failing season. Uh, D is poor. C is average. B is above average to good. And A is excellent. So that is the system. Uh, there are pluses and minuses within each to denote players who did slightly better than the kind of main thrust of that grade. So we will start from the bottom and work our way up. F. Some years there's no failing player, but this year there is. The F goes to defender John Stone. Stones, I've always been a Stones apologist. This is the year that I have finally left that bandwagon. John Stones, for injury reasons, for form reasons, for my guess in in certain ways, is kind of personal work ethic, uh, partying issues, things like that, is not, just didn't get it done, didn't get it on the field. This was supposed to be the year where him and Laporte formed the partnership, the two guys, same age, born on the same day, uh, formed the defensive partnership that would carry City uh, into the 2020s. And that just didn't happen for John Stones. He uh, lost Pep's confidence, spent the majority of, uh, of the end of the year on the bench. When he did play, he didn't look all that great. And, uh, and this is it. I, you know, Stones maybe will get one more chance in 2021, but he may not either. Um, if he gets uh, sold at some point, either now in this weird offseason or in January, uh, it wouldn't shock me. I think that the bloom is off the rose for Pep and John Stones. So that is definitely uh, something to watch. And, you know, the Stones not taking a step and not only not taking a step, but regressing uh, is a major failure. So he is the one and only player whose season I would consider a, a total failure, which is why John Stones gets an F for this year. D, the only, t- the only player who gets a D is uh, the, um, the now dearly departed Claudio Bravo. Look, we all know, anyone who listens to this podcast knows my feelings about Claudio Bravo. He does not make good decisions. He is too small, not physical enough. Uh, he compounds mistakes with other mistakes, and he showed all that this year. Uh, of course, he had moments, as he always does. I mean, he's still a decent professional player. He would start on many teams around the world. Uh, City is just not one of them, and I don't think many teams in the Premier League, for that matter. Um, He was coming off a big injury, so uh, there was that too. But yeah, bravo, poor season. Uh, He was brought in to begin the Pep era as the keeper going forward, and uh, he was not able to fulfill that role. So for bravo, uh, you know, D, poor season, good riddance, and that's it. So Bravo and Stones only C and D. Everyone else had a average-ish season end up. Um, this year, I feel like I, I graded on the curve a bit. I know the season overall was disappointing, but I thought the performances uh, by the individual players were no one else deserved that level of derision that uh, that Bravo and Stones did. Um, and you know, these next three players who I have at C minus and C. Uh, you could argue that they had D seasons, but uh, I guess I was a lenient grader this year, so uh, they get C minuses C. Those are uh, Zhao Cancelo and Ilke Gundogan get the C minus, and Mendy gets the C. Look, Zhao Cancelo uh, came in to replace Danilo this year. He once again, just like Danilo, couldn't unseat Kyle Walker for that starting right back spot. He played a little bit on the left side to mixed results. 
But my big thing is that he just kind of disappeared during most games. He looked a little better after the restart. But, you know, I, I expected a little more from him, again, to be a little more dynamic, to to really grab hold of one of those uh, fullback positions, and he wasn't able to do it. So, you know, you can't do more than like a C-minus with him. And, and Gundogan, you know, kind of the opposite <laughs> problem of Cancelo. Gundogan was out there all the time, and he just shouldn't have been. I mean, Gundogan is not a positive player. Um, again, he has flashes. He would, I've said this a million times. He would start for 90% of the teams uh, in the world. Just City should not be one of them. Um, and what has compounded this and pushed him down to a C- minus is that you know Gundogan's performances can be aggravating and really frustrating. He, again, disappears for long stretches of time out on the field. But he has also become a complete uh, crutch safety uh, blanket for Pep that has allowed Pep to play more defensively and really uh, put out lineups that are, are not as attacking and as forward thinking as you like. So the fact that what he represents for Pep and the way he played is what gets him a C minus as well. Uh, he is the guy that now that Bravo's gone, I would most like to see off this team. And that is saying something because this team still, uh, Still includes Nicholas Otomendi. So Gunduan, uh, I don't know. I don't see Pep getting rid of him anytime soon, but uh, he, he keeps playing him. And I don't understand why. And uh, hopefully going forward into the 2021 season, uh, Pep will try some different stuff and leave Gunduan on the bench while he does it. The other C, the other average player, Mendy. You know, Mendy avoided a major injury this year, which is great for him. So uh, that's uh, something in his category. Again, he had some really nice games where he provided some really nice offensive thrust down that uh, down that left side. Had some really nifty passing at times to set up opportunities. Was aggressive. Uh, on the other hand, he was a defensive liability at times, and he also did something that a lot of players did this season. That, of course, is my biggest pet peeve, and that is was lazy in settling for high crosses. As, uh, as an offensive strategy. That is something that is ineffective for City. It's absolutely insane since their front line is, uh, you know, averages about 5'7". And when City gets lazy, when teams pack the box in them, it's a major crutch they fall back on. It's just throwing in high crosses to uh, to their Lilliputian front line. And uh, Mendy is um, one of the prime candidates who does that. So, you know, Mendy was, again, supposed to really change the way the uh, fullbacks on this team played. And now three years in, he really hasn't done that. So Mendy was average. You know, he wasn't bad. He wasn't uh, super hurt. He didn't cause problems on social media off the field. So, you know, I'm not going to put him in the D category, but uh, I thought that, you know, Mendy doesn't give you as much as you had initially hoped. And so for that, he gets a C. Like Kyle Walker and stuff, you hope that, what needs to happen for Mendy to get to a B or an a, even an A this year is he needs to provide a lot of offensive spark in order to make up for his defensive lapses and uh, and some of his and some of his uh, other issues. So he needs to be a, a major plus offensive player. If he's not that and he's just average, then you know he's going to stay in this C range or or even go lower. So that's uh, the C and the C minus. C plus. 
Uh, Bernardo and Nicholas Otamendi. Look, Otamendi, I think, is a C player overall. Uh, he was much better in his role as third, fourth, fifth defender this year. So I was okay with that. He still made some classic Otamendi mistakes. His flopping on the ground, his drawing ill-timed penalties or uh, ill-timed fouls, things like that. So Otamendi was still Otamendi, but again, that's a lot more acceptable um, in a in a backup, in a very backup role, which is what he was this year, which is why he gets the C plus. And then Bernardo C plus really through not much fault of his own, but mostly because something happened. I mean, he was the city player of the year last year. And this year, Pep just fell out of love with him. He went with um, Foden on the right side. He went with Mares on the right side. Uh, he did all kinds of stuff and left Bernardo out there. And of course, the, the midfield was quite crowded as well with David Silva in his last year, with Kevin De Bruyne, with um, Foden getting more time. So uh, Bernardo was the odd man out for some reason. I don't totally understand because... Even when he was in there this year, I thought he was a good offensive spark. And, you know, City is is just filled with great dribblers, great passers, and guys who uh, move the ball, play in Pep style. But their biggest downfall this year is that they aren't stocked with scorers and finishers. And I think Bernardo, while he can do all the Pep possession and control stuff, uh, he is not... Um, he, is, he leans more towards he has a scoring streak in him as well. So you'd think you'd play him more when City would struggle to score at times this year. And uh, and they didn't. So that's why I can't give Bernardo higher than a C+. All right, on to the Bs, and we'll start with the B-minuses. B-minuses go to Emmerich Laporte, Riyad, Swaggy Rimarez, and Gabby Jesus. So while these guys had good seasons, they get minus demerits for various reasons. Uh, and I will let you know each. Uh, Gabby Jesus... You know, again, I think he should be more of a winger in the system, but as the team's only other striker outside of Sergio Aguero, uh, he is forced into that role. He hasn't totally developed all the uh, superstar level striker skills that you think he might be capable of or that you would hope to have seen by this point of his career. He's obviously still very young, but uh, you wanted to see a little bit more out of him. The offsides can still be an issue at times. And uh, again, there's been times where he's shown flashes of, of developing skills other than kind of a poacher right in front of the net. Uh, some longer shots, some, some nice moves, beating defenders one-on-one. But he still isn't super adept at creating his own shot and creating his own scoring opportunities. And uh, you want to see more of that. Um, I did think when Aguero was injured, uh, he played very well after the restart, which uh, was something you like to see. Gives you hope for the future. And again, whether that means he develops into a world-class striker or is sold somewhere like Barcelona or, you know, uh, in a player swap in Barcelona to, uh, to do something a little, uh, to, to, to bulk up the team, he is definitely super valuable. So uh, some things to work on, you know, some, some way to go. I, you know, I don't feel like Aguero is going to be healthy for the entire 2021 season because of the way he plays and because of his age. So uh, Jesus has, is going to have the opportunity again, it seems like, unless City uh, can bring in another striker, which they might. Because there were reports that they were after Timo Warner, and he actually turned them down to go to Chelsea. Uh, but that does mean that City might be in the market for another striker. Uh, if so, it'll be interesting to see how Jesus fits in, whether he pushes to the wing. Although now that Fernand Torres is here, uh, that makes the wings even more crowded. But uh, Gabby Jesus, B-. Laporte, uh, you know, 
best defender of the year, was injured a, a few times, which is, is one of the reasons he goes down. And although he was left on an island quite a bit, um, there were some uncharacteristic mistakes from him that you saw this year. And uh, and that's what brings him down to a B-. And Marez, you know, Marez is an instant offense type guy. I call him Swaggy Ree because uh, he has some similarities to uh, to Nick Young, Swaggy P, an NBA player who loves uh, shots. Who loved, never, you know, never uh, saw a shot that he didn't want to take. And I actually wish that Marez would do a little more of that. He became a little passive at times this year. I mean, when he's out there, he needs to be pushing the envelope. He needs to be taking shots from all over the field. Um, you know, obviously he is very one-footed. Uh, he likes that left foot, and, and that's about it. But uh, so that's why he, he's not uh, higher up in the B category or even an A. And for an instant offense guy, you want to see more offense to him. And even if it's not more goals, just more shots to soften up the defense and, uh, and give everyone else a little more room to operate. So uh, B plus for Mares. On to the Bs, the good years. Um, the simple Bs, David Silva in his last year, Walk, Kyle Walker, and Zinchenko. Zinchenko had a good year, did what he does. Uh, there were some mistakes playing in a position that he's not familiar with. Um, I, again, I always wish he gets a chance to play some attacking midfield, but he doesn't. So he just does what Pep needs him to do. And that, uh, again, brought in another solid B performance from Zinchenko. I think I had him in the A's last year. Uh, because he was so out of out of position, but uh, when he was called upon, he answers the call, and that's what gets him a B. Kyle Walker again uh, a B because there are a plus games for him. There are games there are a plus 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 when he steps in in goal <laughs> this year, which is crazy, and there are F games where he just has unexplicable moments. So that averages out to a B for me. I thought he had a good year, um, Walker. You know, again, he needs to be a huge plus on offense. I think at times he was. That speed is just so hard to deal with for so many teams. And uh, and that gets him the B. Uh, David Silva, his last year in City. Uh, Silva is an absolute legend. He's going to get a statue outside of uh, the Eddie Had Stadium. I, you know, I said, I kind of put this poll up on Twitter a while back saying, who of the, uh, you know, main kind of uh, City players from of the... Uh, Sheikh Mansour era deserve a statue outside the stadium. Um, I think three players, I think Sergio Aguero, David Silva, and Vincent Company all deserve statues. I think uh, Sterling and Kevin De Bruyne, the jury is still out. If they have uh, some more good years, win a lot more trophies, bring a Champions League trophy to City, uh, those two will be in consideration. Maybe Ederson too. Uh, and then guys who just missed out uh, are, of course, guys like uh, Yaya Torre and Joe Hart. Uh, because they were jettisoned at the beginning of the Pep era, they don't quite have the length and breadth of City career. Although, uh, I mean, obviously a huge part of the 2012 and 2014 titles. So David Silva, absolute legend. You know, he had obviously lost a step. He still did some Silva things. He didn't give him enough scoring uh, from that position, which I think City is desperately in need of. Uh, but he had a really good year for his last year. And of course, uh, as a City fan, we will miss... David Silva, El Magro, the little magician. Uh, we will miss him as he goes back to Spain and finishes out his career. And uh, he will always be remembered as a city legend. And you won't have to just remember him in your mind's eye because there will be a statue outside the stadium of him, which is awesome. So those are the Bs. B plus, Sergio Aguero. Again, Aguero, 
one of the all-time City greats. Um, when he was out there, he had a good year. He was by far City's best scorer uh, all around. I mean, that dude just gets buckets. He creates goals. He creates his own shot. He does everything uh, that you'd want a striker to do. He just happens to be getting old, and his body happens to be breaking down a little bit. So uh, Sergio Aguero, a very good year, uh, but just shy of excellent because he missed a lot of time. On to the A's now. A minus. A minus Fernandinho and Rodri. I thought Rodri really took the pep system in his freshman year with the club. He looked like he fit. He looked like he belonged. Um, he had some really good games. Obviously, there were some defensive lapses when he was left on an island. He didn't quite protect uh, the the mismatched center backs as much as he could have. But again, that's not totally his job. He is there more as an offensive force. You know, when I gave my initial scouting report on him, the way he tracked back and tracked guys down, uh, you know, previously in his career at Atletico Madrid, I thought was we'd see more of a city. You didn't see that quite as much of him really prowling the whole field. He was more of an, an offensive guy. And as an offensive guy, I'd like to see him take more long shots. I know that's really not his specialty. But again, to loosen up the defense and just to to uh, break up the possession a little bit that gets a little monotonous and, and lulls Diddy to sleep sometimes. So, But I thought Rodri overall was excellent, especially in his first year in the system where a lot of guys have struggled. So he gets an A-. And Fernandinho, too. Uh, Fernandinho, excellent year. Um, again, there were mistakes at center back, but he played center back a lot, which... Uh, you know, maybe too much if you if you take the last kind of uh, the Champions League game there. But uh, Fernandinho was you know did as he's always done, does everything Pep wants him to do when called upon, and um, even at his advanced age, he was still an incredibly valuable and important member of this team. So Fernandinho A minus. Uh, the A's, the excellent players uh, of the year: Eric Garcia, Ederson, Sterling, Kevin De Bruyne. Eric Garcia, really sad he wants to go back to Barcelona. I think he could develop into a really good player. Um, there were games that he started, especially big games, where he looked a little lost at first. But even within the game, would grow into the game and become more solid. Uh, he let up a few goals here and there. But the kid's a teenager, and he is a huge uh, prospect. He doesn't have uh, maybe the size and the physicality that you want, but he has all the other skills to make a, a world-class center back. So... Uh, especially at his young age, the, the the amount he played and stuff, really, really great for Eric Garcia. Ederson, what Ederson does is absolutely fundamental to what City does as a club. Um, the way he plays, how aggressive he is. I mean, announcers who don't watch City all that often will, uh, will knock Ederson at times for being so aggressive. But even when he's an aggressive and makes a mistake, it's so important for what City does, for him to be the last line of defense, for him to be the guy flying out there and you know, destroying strikers uh, when when he needs to, even if it means a ball gets behind him from time to time, um, is absolutely so important in Pep's system, and Ederson is fantastic at it. So he gets an A. Sterling, Sterling was just an absolute workhorse this year. Felt like he played every minute of every game, uh, especially with Sané out missing uh, missing the entire year and eventually, unfortunately, leaving uh, to go to Bayern Munich. Um, you know, Sterling, uh, what can you say? Maybe he didn't quite finish um, a few times this year as well as he should. Obviously, the big, the huge miss in uh, in Champions League uh, was <laughs> a bummer. But, um, you know, Sterling, again, was was probably the second best player overall on the team this year. And, uh, and he deserves an A. And I guess, you know, I, I would probably give an A to Leroy Sané here, too. And just that even though he didn't play this year, 
his reputation and what he does was so missed. I mean, he was an offensive force when he was playing for City. He pushed Sterling to the right-hand side, which I think Sterling is better at, frankly. He also was a guy who would go hard to the net, uh, force the defense, make guys come and help, which opened up other guys. And City uh, missed so much of that this year. So he would probably get an A2, even though he really didn't play. Uh, and then Kevin De Bruyne, Premier League Player of the Year. Excellent, excellent, excellent player. Uh, what can you say about him? He is an absolute magician with the ball. He's a beast. The only small reasons he didn't get an A+. Uh, one, he does sometimes settle for those high crosses, which uh, he can get into a pattern of, which which I think hurts City. And then, you know, as the, as the player of the year and as a possible Ballon d'Or winner, you know, there were times, like in the Lyon game, where the best players in the world, the Messis, the Ronaldos, guys like that, they just get it done, take over and, and will their team to victory. And we haven't totally seen that. Um, there was a Chelsea match a couple years ago where I thought De Bruyne did that. Um, at Belgium, he did that uh, a, a time or two in the World Cup. But I don't think we've totally seen that for City in the biggest matches. Where, uh, where De Bruyne has really just single-handedly willed his team to victory and won the game. So uh, we see that, which is a total possibility because he is an absolute superstar in his prime. That will bump him up to an A+. A+. The only A+, this year is, of course, the aforementioned, the uh, now controversial Phil Foden. Phil Foden got his first regular action in the Premier League this year, which was absolutely amazing. He is a talent to be reckoned with going forward. Um, the biggest uh, kind of silver lining about not getting messy this year is that Phil Foden is going to uh, get a lot more playing time this year. Now with David Silva gone, I really see Kevin De Bruyne and Phil Foden being the two key cogs in Pep's midfield. And again, like Bernardo, while I was talking about him, uh, Phil Foden has a scoring bent, uh, a natural scoring ability, an offensive charge that a lot of these other guys don't have. So he can do all the passing and the ball holding and the dribbling that Pep wants, but he can also score the ball, and that is so important and something that City needs a lot more of. So A-plus year from Foden. This was his breakout year, and uh, I think he could have another A-plus uh, next year from, to take it from a regular player to, uh, to a superstar. Uh, and I think Foden has the talent uh, and skill to do that. And we'll see with all the controversy if that helps or hurts or whatever, but... Uh, Phil Foden, one of the most exciting players uh, in City history, especially from a um, youth academy perspective. The fact that he's from Stockport, he's come all the way up through the system. Love Phil Foden, A-plus year. Now, the last grade here is for Pep Guardiola. And this might be a little controversial, but I am going to give Pep Guardiola a C-plus for this year. I believe I've given Pep A's or A-pluses. Uh, for the last two years, and this year he doesn't get that. And it's not just because he didn't win the Premier League or the Champions League. It's because of some of the inexplicable decisions he's made. And look, Pep is an absolute genius. He is a guy who knows exactly what he's doing. He's one of the best coaches of all time. But, you know, he he really kind of screwed the pooch in a lot of these uh, big spots this year. Um, in the Liverpool games, he put out defensive lineups that worked okay. Um, he, you know, he kept Bernardo on the bench a lot. He played a lot of Gundogan, which I thought was uh, hurt hurt the City cause quite a bit. And then, of course, 
he had a defensive three center back setup against Lyon uh, in the Champions League, which is absolutely, un- you know, completely inexplicable. You know, City and Pep Guardiola need to always dictate what happens on the football, on the, on the football pitch. City is always going to be, really with very few exceptions, always going to be the most talented team out there. And so why would you shift your shape, shift your lineup, shift your tactics to what the other team is doing? You need to double down on what you do so well and force that on the other team. That is how you win big. That is how you win the big trophies. And, and Pep knows this, but he has something in his head now about Champions League and about the late stages of Champions League. And to set up so defensively against a team like Lyon, who, I mean, is a mid-tier, basically, French team? I mean, come on. I mean, he got scared of them because of that 18-19 group stage where the, the speed kind of took them over and, and they played well against them. But you can't let a team like Lyon dictate terms. You just can't. I mean, you know, Pep has said it himself. He doesn't coach tackling. He doesn't care about defense. Why would you set up in the biggest game of the year defensively? It makes no sense. And especially when you don't have the horses, the players to do it. It's ridiculous. And it costs them the Champions League again. I mean, I talk about this all the time on this podcast. Football is a weak link sport. And again, if you're just just listening to this for the first time or starting again, weak link sport, there's a theory there's weak link sports and strong link sports. Basketball is a strong link sport. It means the team with the strongest player is usually going to win. The team who has one player with more strength. Whereas soccer is a weak link sport, which is the team with less weak links in their, uh, in their starting 11 is usually uh, going to win. Because with 11 players, with scoring at such a premium, uh, one bad player who makes a huge mistake can easily, more easily cost you the game than uh, a great player can win you the game. So when you don't have the horses, when you don't have the defenders, the defensive players, or you even coach, you don't even coach defending hardly, why would you set up defensively in the biggest game of the year? It makes no sense. Uh, it is something that Pep really has to get over. And look, this is not a call for his head. I don't think he's a terrible coach. I don't think he needs to be fired, anything like that. I don't, uh, you know, I don't want him to be sacked in the morning, but something needs to change. He needs to do what he does. If I could talk to Pep and offer him one piece of advice, because obviously, uh, you know, some random podcaster in New York, Pep would obviously seek advice from. (laughs) But I would tell him, look, do what you do. Always do what you do. Let the other team adjust. Let them try something else. You do what you do, and you pour it on. And if that means the other team scores goals, it means they score goals. And that means that you score more goals. Because that's what you do. You're an offensive coach. You change the way offensive football is played. And in the biggest game of the year, you set up defensively. Terrible, terrible job by Pep. And look, again, don't hate him. Love the guy. But I'm not afraid to say when he made a terrible call, and in Champions League, he made a terrible call. He made a few terrible calls throughout the year. And he needs to make a, a fundamental change about lineup construction and, and just doing what he does next season if he wants to bring home multiple trophies, uh, which is, you know, what City deserves for the money they spend. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll get into the, the, the FFP stuff and the Champions League suspensions uh, in later podcasts, but uh, we're running out of time now. So, uh, so that's about it. I like to keep these podcasts under an hour for those of you who are new and uh, or those of you who have forgot uh, what I do here. So... Uh, that is it for the grades. Let me know what you think. Uh, hit me up on Twitter 
at Citizen Podcast, C-I-T-Y-Z-E-N Podcast, or uh, email me, citizenabroad at gmail.com, C-I-T-Y-Z-E-N Abroad at gmail.com. Let me know what you think about these grades, who you agree with, who you disagree with, what grades you would give Pep for this season. All right, and that is it. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Um, the podcast is back, and, and I'm going to try to keep it back uh, weekly as much as possible as the season starts and progresses here. So uh, hope that all you have stayed uh, healthy and safe and happy during this time of, uh, of much distress, um, and that hopefully that uh, the Citizen Abroad podcast, the Premier League, sports in general, um, the fact that the world does seem to be getting healthier uh, is making your life easier, making you feel better. And uh, if this is any small part of it, that makes me feel awesome. So thank you very much for listening. As always, I'll talk to you soon.